One of the things that, that I, I think is, is good for us to be mindful of is that we make a difference. And just to say to you today, as you gather here on a Sunday morning, you are so valuable. You see, if you look around your rows, you'll see that um, this gathering this morning is made up of people. People who have chosen to come here today. People who recognize that, that as part of the body of Christ, that coming and worshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ is a priority. So we said today, we're going to be here. And, and you're here, which is absolutely phenomenal. You could have stayed at home on your own. If you live on your own, then that's cool. You could have been just sat at home on your own, or you could have got rid of everybody else and just sat in a room on your own. But you didn't. You chose to gather. And one of the things about gathering together is it is such an encouragement. Because when you are a part of something that is a movement where there's more than one person, then you recognize that you carry influence and you make an impact. You see, one person can do so much. Uh, two people, then it increases, and I think the word is exponentially. Two people can do more than two individual people. And then as it increases and increases and increases, and what we're capable of as a larger gathering is so significant. But it all starts with, with ones. And when one and one come together, make a two, and then, then it increases and increases. But it starts with you. I'm taking us on a little bit of a journey. We're going to run for the next six weeks looking into PPI. And uh, you may have found yourself being uh, hounded by uh, phone calls from people who are telling you you have PPI to be reclaimed. You may have seen adverts on the TV about PPI. You may have had stuff through your door because the time for claiming PPI is drawing near. You may very well have followed it up and received something or received nothing. But what I want to talk about over the next six weeks is PPI that is significant and life-changing. It's about people praying. And the I this week is about the importance of people praying. And then in the weeks to come, we'll look at uh, uh, other eyes. But PPI, people praying. So you might turn around and say, okay, Dave, you're going to talk about corporate prayer. You're talking about us praying together. Is it because then you're trying to whip up some support for the Tuesday monthly prayer meeting? No. I'm trying to whip up support. Uh, are there issues then, Dave? There's stuff that we need to be going through. We need to be praying more. And you want to try and mobilize us and uh, guilt trap us into attending a prayer meeting? No. Why would you want to guilt trip people into doing anything? With regard to prayer, I, I want to say today that we're just going to travel a little bit of a journey over the coming weeks that might just change our hearts and our actions and our thoughts, our understanding 
about prayer and the important part that we each as individuals have to play in it. We start a series in our life groups, as Anne mentioned earlier, about looking at prayer. And we're following through a teaching by a guy called Pete Gregg. He was the keynote speaker this year at Spring Harvest. And he's written a brilliant book about, uh, about prayer. And it's just about the everyday normal prayer. How do I pray? What difference does my praying make? And we're going to be looking that, at that through our life groups over the next eight weeks. It's a video that we see with, with Pete Gregg talking. And then there's some exercises that we do and some discussions that we have and Bible uh, references that we look up. But on Sundays, I'm just going to take a little bit of a, a, a twist because I want to talk about us and what we're doing together, not as individuals. So this isn't uh, in any way playing down praying individually. This is the importance, though, of what does it mean to pray together? You see, this is a statement that I came up with this, this week that I just sort of hit home to me. Praying churches are used of God to change the world. I, I believe that that's what we are called to do. We're meant to be world changers. But we also recognise that we don't change the world. God changes the world. And he does it in response to our passionate prayers. And those passionate prayers are often followed up by our uh, activities and our, using our resources that God has given us. But ultimately, it all begins with, with prayer. Let's pray together. So this week we're just looking at the importance of praying together. So I wanted to talk about uh, a few, well five actually, five areas we're going to look at today with regard to the importance of of praying together. So I want to start off with uh, the apostles. Those were the, uh, the disciples, the first followers of Christ, the leaders of the church. And now I think to myself, now are they uh, a people who, who wanted us to pray together? And I found myself in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, we read these words. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, those the Jews who speak Greek among them, were complaining against the Hebraic Jews, that's the Jews who were speaking Hebrew, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. I, I highlight the word distribution. The reason why I highlight the word distribution, because it comes from a Greek word, that actually means uh, deacon. Well, we use the word deacon. In this church, we have, we have deacons. What, who are deacons? Well, deacons are people who serve. So uh, a diaconate is a group of people who've been set apart to serve the church. So this word distribution uh, comes from the Greek word that has a meaning of deacon or, or, or ministry or service. So we start here that there's a problem with deacons. Isn't there always? There's a problem with deacons. At the moment, we don't have enough deacons. But uh, we're not seeing that as a problem. We're seeing that as a God-given opportunity to help us build the team that God's got prepared for all that the church is going to be about in the future. So we're excited. Pray for the diaconate here. So, distribution of food. This is the issue. 
The word is about ministry and serving. So we go on to the second verse. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would be not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Hear this word here, uh, that's underneath the, 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 the meaning here of wait on tables, is another Greek word which is rooted in the same word as deacon, which means serving others. So we start in Acts chapter 6 where there's an issue of people serving one another. There's a problem. The result is that brothers choose seven men, this is how we're going to deal with it, from amongst you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. These are, these are deacon qualities. You know, it's not just that you've got time on your hands to come and serve the church as a deacon, but these are things that we recognize are necessary, that you're full of the Holy Spirit and that you're carrying wisdom. God has given you wisdom to help us to build the church that uh, Christ wants in this community, to impact this community for his honour and glory. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. That's what it says in, in verse 3. There's some people being set aside. But then in verse 4, and we will, this is how it goes on, this is the apostles, we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now here's the difficulty, you see. Normally, let me just tell you how I used to see this verse. Normally, when we looked at leadership structures, we would say there is a, a differentiating between um, what the apostles did, or the elders did in a sense there, and what the deacons did. The deacons did the stuff, or the practical stuff, and this is something that, that uh, I always thought to myself, okay, the eldership, they would set themselves apart, their fo- focus will be on prayer and the ministry of the word. And then you start looking through other commentaries, and then I started looking at some different translations, because I'm thinking, this doesn't sit very well with me, that there's a group of people who are going to be uh, prayer and word, and there's going to be a group of people here who are just going to be practical stuff. So prayer, proclamation, that's it, that's Baptist, a couple of terms there, prayer, proclamation, and these guys, the deacons over here, are going to be the practical I just saw this more as being practical as well. The the prayer and the proclamation of the word is practical too. But what happens is the original translation, this is what I found out this week. This is how it says, but we to the prayer, and it doesn't flow very well because this is trying, Greek and English is, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Greece. It's, It's hard. Anyway, but we to the prayer and to the, this is that word again, serving that comes up in this final uh, uh, statement. The word ministry there is this this serving, deaconing word. It says, so, but we to the prayer and to the serving, the deaconing of the word will steadfastly continue. And in my mind, what's something that shifted for me this week as I was reading this was, the apostles, what they were doing was saying that there is... Stuff that we need to be exciting you about and encouraging you into, and that is the word and in prayer. So the apostles were saying, not that we are going to be spending all of our time in the word and praying, but that we see our ministry as encouraging you into the word and into praying. And this was one of those little light bulb moments for me, and I'm thinking, "I've, I've not got this right. 
I set apart that there was a group of people who, yeah, they'd be spending time in the Word and praying, and then that's that, that's that, that prayer and proclamation, and there's these deacons over there who are running around making sure everything's being sorted, but then not having anything to do with it. That's not what this Word says. And I thought, wow. So the fact is that encouraging people to gather together and to pray and to be around the Word was something that the apostles were encouraging everybody to do. Not that it was just their job. They saw it as their job, absolutely. But they were the forerunners. They were the ones who were showing the way to release people to do what they were doing. I love this. So the apostles were telling us that serving the body with word and prayer was as important as serving those who were needing to not be neglected when there's this division between the the Jewish and the Hebrew converts. So they're saying that coming together and praying together is of absolute importance and it's a priority So if it was a key for the apostles, then it could only be that it must have been a priority for Jesus. And we know it was a priority for Jesus. How many times have we found uh, in Scripture that, that Jesus is encouraging people to come together and pray. And there's even that point in the scriptures where the, 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 deacon, the, 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 the disciples turn around and they ask the question, yeah, can you teach us how to do this? But teach us how to pray? It wasn't one person on the side, Peter, taking Jesus to one side and saying, Jesus, um, can you just give me some tips? I want to get a better prayer life. It was teach us to pray. And this is the, the, uh, the plural in the way that Jesus is expressing to the disciples and those who were listening to his teaching that it's about you doing it. It's uh, ask and it will be given to you, you all together, plural side. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And it's not just the case of that I was speaking to one here. He's speaking to a crowd. It's important that you all come together and to pray. And these words are words, of course, that we know very clearly in Matthew 18. They encourage us. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. The encouragement. Yes, Your personal prayer life. Yes, spending time in your prayer closet, drawing near to God, interceding, bringing your adoration, your praise. Absolutely, 100%, definitely important. But so is gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ. Getting together so that there might be a oneness. You know, there's that unity. Psalm 133 reminds us how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, and when there is that unity in prayer, it's almost like, how can God not pour out blessing? So Jesus was the example that the apostles took on board and shared with those that were needing to come together to build the church. But what else 
What about the early church? <laughs> Here we go. Let's take a little bit of a journey through the uh, early church. The Acts of the Apostles, the early church movement, we just find again and again and again. 120 were gathered in the upper room praying in one accord. Then Pentecost comes. This series of six finishes at Pentecost weekend. So uh, something amazing may very well happen. Let's pray that that does. They're gathered together. And the Spirit of God comes. The disciples prayed for wisdom in knowing who Judas' replacement is going to be. Judas has hung himself. He's no longer part of the team. We need to build the team again. They prayed together. The next one here. Peter and John reported the the threats. They came together and prayed. And it just says here that they... Where they were praying, the place was shaken. When God's people come together in prayer, then the earth moves. Church prayed over the seven men appointed to serve the widows. We just read about that issue at the beginning of Acts chapter 6. They prayed together and were able to set apart those who were going to serve. After James was martyred, Peter imprisoned by Herod, the church was fervently praying and God miraculously delivered Peter. Do you remember Peter turns up, knocks on the door of the prayer house and a girl comes down, opens the door and she says, Oh, hi Pete. Um... Yeah, we're all upstairs praying for your release. Closes the door, goes up and says to the guys, uh, Peter's downstairs. They said, what? What do you mean he's downstairs? We're here praying about it. We're not expecting an answer. But when they prayed, the answer came. Go down. Let him in. We need to see him. People praying together. While the prophets and the teachers were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas. It was when they prayed, God raised up those in leadership to take the responsibility of taking the church to the nations. Paul and Silas praying when God sent the earthquake that resulted in the conversion of the jailer. And we can go through and again and again and again find that people coming together to pray change things. Do you know, I, I ask myself here as, as a leader of a church in Basingstoke, is there anything that needs to change around here? In our communities, anything needs to change. I believe so. But I know one thing that I can't do it, and you can't do it, but we can do it as we come together to pray. The pre- simple prayer is, Lord, that your kingdom will come and your will be done right here, right now, as it is in heaven. What a challenge we have. Then it goes on, what about through history? If we take it from the early days uh, of the first church in the book of Acts, and then as we move on through and we see historically, are there movements, are there significant signs that people praying together made a difference? I, I, just, I just picked up a few things that I remember from, from history. The Great Awakening that happened in 1858. There's one guy who, who comes together um, in the city of New York. And in, in the city of New York, uh, uh, things were going very well. And that's usually the problem. Things were going really well. This guy's name was uh, Jeremiah Lampfer. And one of the things that he noticed was the fact that everybody was believing that they've got it all sorted. Business was prospering. All was going well. And therefore, what he did was he called together a prayer meeting amongst the business section in New York. And it was happening at lunchtime on a Wednesday. And the first week that it happened, they put posters up, he put posters around, and the first week it happened, six people turned up. The following week, there were ten people turned up. 
and most of them turned up late. The following uh, week after the uh, prayer meeting started, it states that there was a crash, a stock market crash. Panic ensued, trouble was uh, humbling people, and it was amazing how that small meeting of prayer, which was six, maybe ten, maybe a dozen people, suddenly escalated into the hundreds and into the thousands gathering together to pray. And out of that, what was birthed was something called the awakening. And this spread not just for New York, but across North America. And it started when people were praying. Evan Roberts' Welsh Revival, many of you might have heard about that at the uh, beginning of the 20th century. It started in a prayer Meeting People seeking God and saying, Lord, will you move in our nation? There's this uh, Rhys Howes, another Welsh guy, went to South Africa in 1910, starts a prayer meeting which impacts communities and brings in a revival, a passion for God like there hadn't been. Some of us uh, may uh, be aware of what happened in Cumbran in 2013. At a prayer meeting, the Spirit of God moved upon one individual, brought about a healing, and that healing from a, through a prayer meeting led to thousands of people seeking God at uh, the Victory Church in Cumbran. And out of that, multiple churches were planted. Just started in a prayer meeting. The thing about it is sometimes it's there, uh, what are we doing about sustaining these moves of God? Well, that's uh, another issue. But the first impact came out of a prayer meeting. And then I just think to myself, well, what about the Basingstoke blessing? Maybe God's got something in store for us. I, I've got a little piece of video I want to show you. And uh, I was at this conference in 2012 where this uh, actually happened, this uh, video that I'm just about to show you. There's an amazing worship leader and prophetic lady by the name of uh, Julie Mayer. And she was leading worship on a morning session at this conference. And, uh, well, this is what God started to lay on her heart and she started to speak out over, I think there was about 5,000 of us there at this conference, she started to speak this out over the crowd.
interesting thing about being at this conference was the fact that uh, most of the people in that room are Americans. And um, when I, I, as you know, I'm quite a, a very reserved and quiet guy and I keep myself to myself. And therefore, where I was sitting in the congregation, most people would have no idea that I was English, except for the fact that I made sure that they knew that I was English. And uh, so there was quite a good number of people there who, um, when this was being spoken out, were looking for me. They were looking for me, because they were saying, this is it, and Julie's speaking out about this great awakening, the move of God, and it's going to start in Britain, it's going to overflow to Europe, and oh, it's going to be fantastic, and oh, where's Dave, where's Dave, where's Dave? I was actually downstairs at the time in the loo. So this was a piece of, of worship uh, on the, uh, one of the mornings of this conference and, it, and I'm thinking to myself, I can just, uh, I, I'm just going to slip out now because the worship went, went on a long time and it was great but I, thought, oh, I can miss the first bit. So you go out of this massive convention hall and then you have these escalators going down to the loos and when I went down into the loos, well, there's a little bit of a story but it all revolves around getting locked in a cubicle. And therefore, when I eventually get out of the cubicle, and I go back up, and I'm just sort of, eh, worship's going on, this lady's doing what she's doing, uh, Julie's singing and pro- prophesying what she's prophesying, and then I just walk up to where my seat is, and there's everybody's just ecstatic. And she's just come to an end, the end. And I just say, Dave, did you hear that, did I? I hadn't heard a word. But you see, the thing about it is, for me... It just reminds me about so much that God wants to do in the local church, but we find ourselves in the loo. We find ourselves distracted, doing other stuff, when actually God's wanting to raise up a people right here, right now, who are going to be world changers. That there would be a legacy laid by you. And what I love about the... uh, the, uh, the whole idea of gathering together to pray is that uh, understanding that we could 
shake this nation as we come before God in prayer. He's going to do it. But he asks, are you passionate enough? Do you recognize the importance of you as an individual gathering with you as an individual and coming together and praying together that mountains would be removed, that sicknesses would be eradicated, that the lost would be found, that worship would lift the roof off of this place. And I could hear those words and I, you know, I, I knew I was going to be able to listen to, to Julie Mayer on, on uh, MP3 or, or, or on a video or something. And I, and I have and, I, and it just resonates with me that God's word over this nation is, is as little as you are, you are significant. And what was birthed out of you in the past is only a foretaste of what's going to be birthed out of you in the present and into the future. And wouldn't it be just like our God, to use people like us. Wow. It's been a priority through history, and this is the last point really, is that we're invited to make it our priority. When we think about an invitation to come together, and just to say that at 8 o'clock on the first Tuesday of every month, I am going to plug it, we gather together to pray. At this moment in time, uh, we meet in the small room upstairs. I, I would long for the day when, actually, it's standing room only in here. Jim Simbalo is the leader of the church, uh, the Brooklyn Church in New York, from which the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir come from. And it was a church of a dozen people with a massive cathedral of a building with extortionately massive expenses. And he was called to lead this church. But the thing about it was, he decided that he was going to lead it on his knees and would gather together every Wednesday evening for a prayer meeting. You can go online to the church today and you can put your prayer requests in and you can see on video their current Wednesday evening prayer meetings. Standing room only. The reason being is that people have come to an understanding of how Almighty God loves to hear his children bring their requests to him. And because they bring the requests, they then start to see answers. And when people start to see answers, their faith level rises and their expectancy increases and they'll come again. Maybe that's where we need to begin. That we would come out of our commitment to Christ that would lead us into a place of coming with great expectancy because we know Christ is at work amongst us and in our community. So we start. PPI. It's important. People praying is important. That's all I wanted to say today. But above and beyond all of that is that's because you are important. And you carry influence in the heavenlies. This is what Paul reminds the church at Ephesus. This is the church. This is the gathered people. This would be like him saying, if it was in those days, I'm writing my letter to the Basingstokians, the church in Basingstoke. But he says the same thing to Ephesus as he does to those of us in Basingstoke. He says this, 
Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Praying for circumstances, situations, but individuals as well. And because it was a letter to the church and not to one individual, we recognize again that today, even today, God calls us to be involved in changing the world. And I believe, I really do believe, that that's what God's calling us to, to be world changers. Not us individually, but as us corporately together as we stand or sit or kneel before him in prayer. Let's pray. Let's stand together and I'll lead you in prayer.